Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Simply Amazing. Tim Ryder from the Apple. Once again, we have guests. Uh, you guys probably know them from Mets Twitter. They've been on the show before. These are my buddies, my guys, Stephen Josiah, Ray Correa. Fellas, what's happening? How's it going, Mr. Man? Tim, how are you? Doing fantastic. How's everything by you guys? Uh, doing pretty good. Looks like the holidays have been treating you well, my friend. Looking good. <laughs> Thank uh-huh. you. Yes, very much. We had our little rider family get-together on Sunday. That's always nice. And the first time we've been able to do it in a few years. And it was... Uh, very spaced out, but it was very safe and yeah, it was oh, good. Well, that's good. That's good. So, yeah. Listening, I'm looking at the handsome mugs of Tim Ryder and Rick Ray. Uh, Ray has a pitching ninja hat on, a Mets uh, themed pitching ninja hat on, which is very, very limited cool. edition. Uh-huh. Sold out. You can't get it. <laughs> we were just we were just hitting. Uh, somebody brought it up that we need uh, new era fitteds from Pitching Ninja. And I chimed mm-hmm. in. That's a good idea. Mm-hmm. That would be fantastic. said, yes, that is. Do you all remember when Pitching Ninja, or MLB shut down Pitching Ninja for a little bit? I do. I mm. do. And now mm. he's like in every ESPN broadcast? Nope. <laughs> it's almost like yeah. MLB doesn't know their fan base very well. Well, you know what's funny? is just like, um, it, well, guys like, like uh, Rob from Pitching Ninja, you know, there, there's multiple of these guys all around sports who help promote the thing that people are interested in. Like, um, if you guys are into combat sports or anything, there's this guy on Instagram called Crime Faces, and he does, uh, he's like a guy from the Bronx who uh, does commentary over, he used to do like street fight videos and stuff, but he does like MMA, boxing, and all this kind of stuff. Where now he even got taken up by uh, some of the lower cards uh, that do that do combat sport events. And he's become an announcer from having an Instagram page where he's just making oh, jokes cool. and stuff and like rhyming and everything. <laughs> and now he, he's being paid to broadcast at times. I mean, so look look at Rob pitching ninja. Look at these guys getting it done from a different yeah. way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. You know, I, I was going to say how many of us have seen, uh, you know, pitching overlays before Rob Freeman mm. started doing it. That was pretty fun. I'm well, sorry, thanks. Steve. What were you going to say? Well, well, I was going to say, look at all these people and look at Tim Ryder with the Apple. That's true. <laughs> Doing his thing. Look at Tim. Moving right very, along. Very cool. We're a very, uh, we're a niche little category, man. Like, you know, I got, we have a nice little base of subscribers and mm-hmm. everybody clicks and everybody reads and with the pod, everybody listens. It's, um, you know, it's a growing base and we're having a really mm-hmm. good time doing it. Thanks, man. That's awesome. Yeah. And going back to the overlays, is there any picture? I mean, we already knew he was good. But that just uh, secured his ridiculousness than Jacob Degrom with the overlays. Oh yeah, oh, I, I mean, it, it, not just so. So it's always amazing to watch, you know, fastball slider and tunneling the way Degrom tunnels so well. Yeah. The thing that's crazy to me is when uh, when Rob Friedman has has shown what Jacob Degrom does on three consecutive fastballs. The release <laughs> point being exactly the same. It just it, the the command and control at a hundred miles an hour. 
I just don't think we've seen that ever from a pitcher. And that's, it's very, very cool. And just that you wonder how he does it. Cause he even watched someone like Garrett Cole, who's, who's one of the best fastball pitchers of his generation. He can't do that. It's crazy to see the difference between a Garrett Cole and a Jacob deGrom. And for all the Yankees fans on here, I'm sorry, but now you've got to contend with perhaps Cole being the third best pitcher in New York. I'm sorry. It's be the bear of bad news here. Man, I, I feel like I'm, I'm saving a tweet for like the first time that we, we get the Grom and Scherzer back to back in a rotation. Uh, different times in Queens right now. I mean, that, oh, it's that's wild. I, I, I think that the expectation is that they're going to do that every, all year if they can, assuming that injuries <laughs> don't break that up. But it's going to be Degrom and Scherzer. Uh, back Did you guys already see uh, some of the projections that have been coming out? Like the Mets have the, the best projected uh, starting rotation right now. I didn't I'll see that. Yeah, and um, so I think they had um, Tijuana Walker at like 1.9 WAR and um, McGill at 1.8. And I McGill think they, they had as the fifth. Yeah, yeah, they had McGill as a fifth on the on the projections, and then they had um, funny enough, they had um, Carrasco just over, you know, like somewhere around 2.4 WAR for the year. So if he actually reaches that sort of projection, you know, that looks pretty good, especially because uh. As we'll probably mention later on, but we don't think the Mets are done just yet for the offseason once things get kicking back again. No, they have so, holes to fill for sure, but mm-hmm. I, you know, everything they've done so far, it's just it's it's felt like a push towards a new a new era, a new chapter. Like they yeah. they're really they're not holding back. How do you guys like Buck? Of course, Buck Showalter named the Mets manager by Steve Cohen on Saturday, just dropping <laughs> that bomb like mid just, mid-afternoon. Mm-hmm. As he does. Yeah, of course. Um <laughs> Three years, big money. Uh, are we happy with the hire? Are you guys fans of Buck? Do you give a buck? <laughs> oh, Tim. Nothing uh, book. Well done. Uh, well done. Yeah, it was Shout the title of the show last week, so it wasn't all that original. Okay, but gotcha. Steven, yeah. puns for you. I mean, I have a couple more written down here. We'll get to them. <laughs> I, I'm just waiting for some, you know, poor intern when someone's like, show Walter, your office. And he's like, I have an office? What? So <laughs> some, some, some guy named Walter in there just going like, oh, boy. <laughs> just edit that one out. Edit that one no. Out. Yeah. no, no, no. This is free form. We don't play the edit game. As, as soon as I walk us in, bro, we don't cut anything out. Trust us. You gotta you listen, listen to the show. There's what's the, the current wildest... policy? Just out of, out of curiosity. I'll go for it. Go for awesome. it. Awesome. I, I like it. You know, I it, Buck Showalter. I think was a a safe pick. I, I like that we have gone with a veteran. Um, I think many newer age fans concerns is that being an old school manager, he's not going to listen to the analytics. I don't really think he has a choice in this regime, uh, nor do I think it's going to be a problem. Everything I've heard about Buck Showalter from his time with other organizations is that he's forward thinking. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I've heard he's the the most prepared guy in the room. He works harder than anyone else. I I keep hearing that. That tells me that he's going to listen to the mountains of data that's going to be coming in from the analytics team. So I don't worry about that at all. I do think Rojas was a little bit new for the job, and I think kind of going the other direction was a good call. Yeah. You know, I, I wanted I wanted to bring up uh, a little piece that I found or that was sent to me from Fangrass by someone on Twitter um, regarding Buck Showalter, and I wanted to read this quote, and if anybody wants to look up this article after, <clears throat> it's called The Manager's Perspective, and it says Buck, Buck Showalter on the changing game. And he said, one thing about analytics is that we all question what we don't understand. You need to learn. So we do what we do. 
analytics for dummies. That's what we call it. We take our most veteran baseball people, our on-the-field lifers, and bring them upstairs to go over every analytic there is and find the equivalent of a 300 batting average in every one of them. We take the black cloud away from uh, of unknown away from it. So, I mean, that doesn't sound like someone who's averse to, to working with the front office, with the analytics. And, you know, the, the thing that everybody, well, no, I wouldn't say everybody, but like that, that small portion of fans who may have been concerned that he may give some push against the front office. I think that kind of settles a heart when you, when you read a, a quote from him like that. There's actually a lot more in this piece. I, I advise people like, please go read that. It's actually pretty, not just comforting. I mean, cause even if he wasn't, He's still the good managerial choice just for what we saw kind of last year with losing control of some of the players at certain points. Just getting somebody to kind of get into the idea of working as a team. Whereas sometimes people are are thinking too much of themselves and I got to worry about my contract or I got to worry about this or that. He seems like the guy to get people's head level together. But now he's also the guy who, who knows what he's talking about on occasion when it comes to some of the more advanced numbers. And you know what did it? Do you know what did it for me too, Ray? And I know it's anecdotal and it's one man's opinion, but Adam Jones's enthusiastic comments about Buck Walter that okay. meant a lot to me because Adam Jones has been one of my favorite players in the game for his entire career. He's yeah. one of the best leaders for, during his time in the game, uh, one of the highest baseball IQ, smartest players in his time in the game, uh, just one of the best overall guys in baseball. So for him to just come out in such enthusiastic support of Buck Walter. That meant a lot to me. Mm-hmm. I thought one of the funnier quotes that came out was uh, Manny Machado saying that Buck Show Walter kept them humble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it came yeah. as a shock to me, but all right. Imagine if Buck wasn't around. No kidding. Oh, man. I, I, yo, man Manny's one of my favorite players in baseball, oh, oh, uh, by far. And um, I, I take what he says about it with a grain of salt. I'm sure that dealing with a, a young 20s, even late teens, I believe he was called up at 19. Yeah. Um, mm. Dealing with a young Manny Machado probably wasn't easy at times. Mm-hmm. We've seen him. He's a, he's a fiery player. And I, I love it. He's Again, you guys, we were talking about baseball cards before we came on. I got my Manny box right here. You guys should see it one day. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, I love the angle. I love the angle of... Not that there was necessarily an adult needed in the room, but having that level of experience and the level of experience dealing with all sorts of different types of players that Buck has, I'm cool with that. I also found a quote. It was uh, it was a video that I guess it was Buck speaking with Jason Stark, I believe. And it was also along the lines of analytics, pretty much in the vein of, you know, it's information that's only going to make our jobs easier. Like now you have a guiding force and it's proven. It, it's data that's proven. It's not, a, oh, hey, this says, this might say this. No, we know exactly what it says. And I'm really paraphrasing here. Actually, it's linked at the bottom of the Apple. If you look at our most recent uh, article on the uh, on the Apple, I think it came out Sunday. Okay. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it. Now, I, would I have preferred an analytically inclined hire? Maybe, maybe just because that, I guess that, that conduit of information would have been a little more seamless, but mm-hmm. Buck's not a, it's not like he's new to this. He was doing this and Baltimore's been doing this for a while. And um, I think they believe they had a new front office in, in place at the time who was kind of embracing this. Um, I don't know that for a fact I could be talking out of my ass, but in, in any case, um, yeah, I'm, I'm totally cool with the hire and, 
you know, would you guys have preferred a more analytically based or even well-versed manager compared to a, a veteran or experienced manager, as you want to call him? I feel like at this point of the offseason, I was starting to grow indifferent about the managerial hire, where it was almost like, let's just get it over with, mm-hmm. let's get it done, and yeah, l- let me stop thinking about this. Um, what I have preferred, but like uh, at the core of the question, what I have preferred, uh, it is it, is kind of tough for me to say right now. And um, instinct, instinctively, instinctively, yes, instinctively, yes. But emotionally, there, there's still that part of me right now that actually likes this show Walter higher for other reasons. Yeah. So I guess like preference aside, do you see the value of kind of cleaning up that passageway of information, or do you feel that? Someone who's in Showalter's case or in Showalter's shoes could still get by with the level of, of, I guess, sharing that information and making it digestible for someone whose ear might not be tuned to that key. Ooh, it's, is that a decent, <laughs> decent little yeah. analogy, I guess? So, so without saying any names on the team or anything, you know, um, I feel like Buck Showalter might be the guy who may be able to get through a couple of people who even last season were vocally opposed to some of the differences. Um, So I feel like having somebody like him at the helm is um, perhaps more comforting for a player who would be a verse. Okay. I like that. And I I think it's fair to say we all know who we're talking about here. Do you think he's going to be around next year? Second baseman, high contact. Everybody knows who he is. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's that's going to be the tough question, man, because... Yeah. You you see Robinson Cano, is that your Oh, (laughs) Hey, he's hitting like 300 in the Dominican Winter Leagues. Good for him. He's getting back up there. The power is still not showing up right now. I thought he uh, he got pulled from the league. I don't think he was playing anymore. He did. He was hurt, but then he came back. Oh, okay. Yeah. But, um, it, again, the Mets have been making a lot of moves that were unexpected over the last, uh, right before um, the lockdown happened. But, uh, to be honest, I still feel like there's going to be one, maybe two of that core old three when we're talking about Dom McNeil and J.D. Davis. I still feel like one or two of those guys are going to be gone when, when we're looking at Yeah, uh, but I, I don't think it's going to be McNeil, though. Yeah, I, I, I just I just don't think that's a guy you move you from. So See, I, the versatility is probably the thing that's going to keep him here. Mm-hmm. And and you're just not going to sell low on that. I mean, this was a guy who was putting up four war seasons and looking to you know, improve on that. Mm-hmm. I don't think you're gonna you're gonna sell on him after a, a down season like he had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I like Ray's point that I think Buck will might will very well could be the guy to bring the most. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I think that, you know, Miguel Rojas, so, so for, I'll preface this with saying, I don't think that the manager in today's game has near the effect that most fans think, nor what the manager had uh, in the past, as far as an influence on the team. Mm-hmm. I think the effect that managers have now is more psychological than we give them credit for. So, so weirdly enough, we, we give them way too, too much credit for lineup decisions and, and even bullpen management, but not enough as far as unit cohesion and leadership and, and and the psychological aspect of the game. So to, Tim, to your point about uh, the the second baseman who we're not gonna who are not, not gonna name, maybe not getting along <laughs> with the shortstop. Um, or those things happen. <laughs> I, I I know no one likes to hear this, but just like any other professional en- environment, your uh, your favorite players are gonna bicker at each other. Sometimes yeah. they might make up stories about fighting rodents when one actually you know <laughs> choked the other one in the in the dugout. 
uh, or it's, you know, that it, yeah. those things are going to happen. So I don't Allegedly. like choking out my coworkers as much as I would like to sometimes, but you know, like with the, Allegedly. the <laughs> Allegedly. with, with emotions high in the middle of the game, you can see how that happens. I actually thought the Mets played that off fairly well, yeah. but I, I do think that Rojas maybe was just too new, too young to handle that sort of aspect of the game where I, I do think that a show Walter type might, might be able to, settle down the ego, settle down the testosterone, settle down the adrenaline a little bit more because he's seen it. He's been in the game forever. He this is not exactly the first time it. he's going to have come across this sort of thing. Rojas, I'm sure he saw it as, as a player, but I'm not sure he knew how to manage it. And that's why yeah. I do think Miguel Rojas is going to be a really, really good manager someday. Oh, Luis just, he's, I'm sorry. Luis Rojas. <laughs> I bet you Miguel Rojas <laughs> Miguel, be Yeah, Miguel Rojas could be a, could be a, a hell of a ball good player. manager someday too. Yeah. One day. Um, it, um, but but not with the Mets at, at this time. Yeah. No. And and one thing on Rojas, I think that Rojas was, I guess, called up after Beltran was let go. Mm -hmm. I think that was because he was so familiar with this roster. I think that was a smart move. But I think in the end, him being so, I don't want to say chummy, but so familiar with this roster, I think that might have been his undoing here. And and that's a shame because mm -hmm. he's a lifetime Met. I mean, he's been here for 15 plus years. He was here for 15 plus years. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you 100. percent I think he's going to do great one day. But uh, I'm rooting for him in the Bronx. Good for him. Yeah, what, uh, but, but what do you I, I want to just catch you real quick with that because um, when you're talking about the familiarity, I think that there there was a difference between the familiarity with a player when they're battling for a roster spot in the major leagues and when they're battling for a contract or a boost in arbitration, and now we're talking about dollars as opposed to what he was dealing with before. Whereas, like, here, you got to trust him. But now, when money's involved, you're more likely to trust yourself than something else that someone's saying, especially if they don't have the level of experience that maybe someone like Show Walter has. Yeah. And he can navigate that stuff. I think that's, mm -hmm. uh, I'm with you 100%. What do you all think about the rumor? And I do think it's just a rumor that Beltron has been invited back to be a bench coach for the Mets. I think he Did might be in the out? organization, but I don't think that that's a that's a rumor with much substance. I think yeah. I think I he could know. have a position in the organization. I, I read that that's what Cohen wants. He wants to bring him back in some mm -hmm. uh, some yeah some facet, but I don't think it's going to be a coaching position. I would I would be all for it. And I'm sorry, I've been staying off of Twitter a bunch lately. Um, I oh, you haven't see seen Spider-Man? That's why? <laughs> no, I actually I haven't. I, guys, I had this conversation with Andrew, my, my former co-host, my current producer, Andrew Claudio, who's, you know, our, my, our resident guy. movie guy. Oh, Andrew's the best. But um, I don't watch. I haven't seen like 90% of the Marvel movies. I'm just, I, I'm, That's yeah. Uh, no, it's not. It's very strange. I'm, I'm, told, I'm told by society that that's very, very odd that I haven't got into this stuff. I just, you know. Make an exception here, though. Oh, I guess so. And then jump back on Twitter. Yeah, I really I haven't been messing with Twitter. It's where we're locked out, so I'm going to lock myself out for a bit. It gets a little wild at times. But um, I didn't see that there was a rumor that he'd already been reached out to. If he was, and especially for bench coach, I'd be fine with that. I really would. I think it would – I mean, you're learning from one of the best over the last few decades – one of the best is arguable, of course, but a very experienced in many facets manager in Buck Walter. I think that would be a perfect place for Beltron to learn. And, and to be clear, I don't think there's much substance to this rumor. It's just been where did a, it come a from? Rumor. Was it a, was it a, a check mark report or was it a, a, a 
Oh, Tim, what does that mean these days? <laughs> what a check mark? Just a, just a verified, a verified <laughs> rumor. Uh, I don't know. I can check right now, but oh, um, that's okay. It was it, it was it was floating around the Twitter sphere, and and regardless of its uh, of oh, its, its merit source? or not, is that is that is that something that is that something that would be, interest you? It would. Yeah. It would. If any of these old school Entourage fans out there caught that reference, I hope. You know, brief anecdote about Beltran, but the thing is that like every time I hear his name and I think about his preparation and everything, I think back to this one broadcast, and I think it might have been like a ESPN like Sunday night game. And Beltran said that he he loads up a, a pitching machine with tennis balls and writes a number on them, and he doesn't swing at the pitch unless he can read the number. <laughs> That's was, incredible. This sounds ridiculous. It sounds unreal. That's incredible. Uh, so, so I just found it, by the way. It was Mike Puma, uh, New York Post, and, and supposedly oh. Steve Cohen was enamored with the Carlos Beltran hiring a couple of years ago. So it's they're that's what take, I heard about taking him. taking that nugget of information and, and opining, hey, yes. this this would be cool to bring him back. I'd be okay with that. I think again, I think it'd be a, a great place for him to learn. I think his what he brings to the table will be best utilized in a in a in a dugout as opposed to a uh, uh, an upstairs office. But mm. what, what do I know? I guess we'll see when time goes by. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be a decision that's going to be made hastily or immediately. Yeah, it's just when we got to sit on. Yeah, right. So where are we at on the move so far? I know we talked about Buck and we talked a little bit about Scherzer. I think that's you know across the board about Max Scherzer because of on, course, Max let's Scherzer start there. That's a hell of a place to start. My goodness, gentlemen. isn't that incredible? We could have gone into into this lockout just having Max Scherzer, and I would have all the confidence in the world. Because that's the one thing that I, I, I kept pushing people. I kept telling them, I was like, don't lock out thinking the Max Scherzer won't come here. I think money's going to solve all the ails. And look, he's here. Everyone told me he, he wouldn't do it, but he did it. The madman did it, you know? If, if we had gone into the lockout with just the three signings that we made after my bedtime, thanks a lot for that, uh, Billy <laughs> Upler, by the way. Uh, would you have been as excited? Would you still be positive, or is is it that Max Scherzer is? is I know that's that's going to excite everybody, but how would you have felt if it had just been uh, Marte and and Kana and Escobar, and that's it so far? For me, that was that was a those were solid trio, and I think it did a lot more than just kind of lengthen the bench with that quality of player. These guys are all who guys who can hit with runners in scoring position. Um, get on base. Get on base. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the defense is there in most cases. Mm-hmm. It matters what you're looking at. Um, OAA but, says you're right. But uh, OAA, yeah. But again, I mean, that's the difference. I, I said it talked about it a little bit last week. I guess DRS measures in runs, stat cast measures in outs. And that's there's a little discrepancy there. And then what they take into play and – locations whether it's generalized or exact and i don't know enough to talk about all this but (laughs) i tried to generalize it based on what i found and i still didn't grasp it but uh you know i I think Marte in the center field is huge that's a true center fielder it's going to relieve pressure off everybody else nemo is a damn fine fielder he's going to benefit from having a real center fielder in center i think canna is going to be uh Terrific. I think he's going to hold down that fort well. And I wouldn't be shocked if there's a fourth outfielder at it. And not mm-hmm. like, uh, I know not Khalil Lee or, I'm sorry? Not Nick Plummer? I think Khalil Lee and Nick Plummer are both going to be on the, like, on the bench. I like Nick Plummer. I want to hear first. I'm a Nick Plummer truther. Can, so, uh, can, can, can we just, um, just note that 
our two backup outfielders collectively had uh, OPSs over 880 yeah. in AAA last year. Between Plummer was about 880, and Khalil Lee was somewhere over, like somewhere close to 950. In I would have last year. I, I'm, I'm impressed with both of them. I'm encouraged yeah. by both of them. I would still bring in a fourth outfielder. Oh, yeah. In the $10 million, $12 million a year range. And uh, a big shout out to Chris Simon. Chris Simon's one of my photographers at the Apple and a very, very close friend. He brought this up about a month ago to me, and it's kind of been rattling around in my head for a while. I'm intrigued by Jorge Soler. I know he's a right-handed, uh, a right-handed bat, but he has pretty much non-existent splits. Once he came to the Braves, his numbers shifted back to his 2019 levels. Um, I actually have a story coming out on the Apple this week about him. And I know it's a bit far-fetched. Because where does he fit? But his fielding was actually, his fielding metrics were right back to where they were. Well, not even where they were. He was a really a terrific fielder with uh, with Atlanta. Oh. And uh, I'm intrigued. What are You guys think I'm crazy for this or what? Oh, Steven, they're shaking your head at me. <laughs> you guys can't see it. Steven's shaking his head at me. Gosh, well, I, I, okay, let, let me ask you this. Are we, uh, are we assuming that there's a DH in the National League next year? I think either way, uh, Stephen. I want you to pull up. I don't have. I could pull it up. His Statcast metrics from, I guess, in the second half of the season with the Braves, mm-hmm. were were respectable. They were arguably right there with Canas. With Canas, okay. Yeah. Um, I I don't. He he's a big guy. Um, he is, but he, uh, he 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 historically has not been. A great fielder. Yeah, the so track I, record I, is kind of the thing that I'm seeing here too. So, well, so I'm not a lot. He hasn't got a lot of reps out there. When he's had mm-hmm. to play, he hasn't been good. But with Atlanta, when he's gotten regular reps, I believe they moved him in a few feet. I, I think Kansas City tried that. Atlanta mm-hmm. moved him in a couple more, I believe. I was just digging around Statcast. This is all I'm literally pulling this out of nowhere. But mm-hmm. um, they moved him in a couple of feet, and it seemed to it seemed to take. It really looked like he was more comfortable on his routes and stuff. Damn, I wish I should have kept this page up. Anyway, I, I don't want. I, yeah, I don't want to. I, close I pulled it, it up. Yeah, it it, it looks it, it looks like there was a little bit of improvement in Atlanta. I think data always helps, right? And and it yeah. sounds like the Mets are going to be an analytically driven team. Yeah, um, but are, are you really going to bump Mark Hanna out of playing time? I'm not a bump. No, no, no. This is Jorge Soler is going to be that. You know, if. Because you're not bumping Nemo. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I want Nemo getting. Because if I'm not mistaken, games next year if you can. I don't, I don't see kind of, Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. He's also got kind of reverse splits, doesn't he? He's like, uh, he's same-handed pitching. He hits better. Uh, I might be. Canada, I might be mistaken. Or, um, McKenna. Oh, I don't know. Uh, but but Tim, you just said Solaire is pretty much even across the board, right? Uh, non-existent splits. And even like when he was in 2019 Solaire, he was, you know, even mm-hmm. against both. And 2020 Solaire where he was awful. I mean, Same thing. He was awful against both. I, I like, I mean, Solaire as a power hitter, I think, is is fantastic. Um, I, I don't know if he's going to be willing to sign a contract where he's playing part-time. And if he is, I really would want a DH for him because I don't, I don't believe in the glove much. Um, I, I get your point, but I, I yeah. If there's a DH, I think he might yeah. be kind of perfect, but mm-hmm. that's if I know they said that they might not include on-field changes in the new in whatever the agreement they come to, and you know. See, I'm still not going to close the door because uh, you know last offseason the Mets ended up getting uh, Jose Martinez towards the end of the the offseason, oh, and yeah. that, that that's kind of like a similar player profile to a degree, a lot of power, not great glove. Mm-hmm. 
I'm and, a fan. Uh, just the kind of guy that, that you might want to have on the bench. But again, <laughs> like Steven said, is is Soler going to be a guy to take that kind of contract after the showing that he had with Atlanta mm-hmm. late season? I mean, I, I, I've got more faith in Soler's glove than <laughs> Martinez's, by the way. I think, I think Soler's, <laughs> yeah. I, I want to say MLBTR has him pegged at like 336, I believe. Mm. So 12 how, how far million. off? How far off is that from Suzuki? And I, and I also don't think Suzuki's going to take a contract to play, no. to play as a fourth outfielder. But I, I really thought that's maybe where the Mets were going before we signed yeah. two outfielders. I'm still not convinced Canna is the starter. I still think that Canna might be that fourth outfielder and they still have eyes for somebody. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's a versatile well, I, guy. I try, maybe his initials are KB. We don't know. I was just going to – Tim, you read my mind. I was about to say, like, <laughs> what, let's say we go get Chris Bryant. And oh. you actually trust McNeil to go back to being 2019 mm-hmm. Jeff McNeil for the infield, then you can you can bump Bryant to left field and and have just a ridiculous ridiculous well, like, lineup. Well, who would you who would you have at third then? I would I have Brian. McNeil at third. Oh, see, so I would have Brian at third. third. And you would have McNeil on left. Are you I playing? Are you playing Cano at Escobar? Uh, well, McNeil, Escobar, Can, uh, Cano. Uh, the second base, you can move every, everyone everywhere. If you want yeah, to, I guess put, see, I, yeah, you could do Escobar. I love that. Third, oh, I love the versatility. And McNeil at second, mm-hmm. you could do that. Can, but you're right, <laughs> right to your point. Cano is going to find playing time. I just he, yeah. he's going to, and I, I don't like that. I don't think many fans like that. But he's, he is going to find mm-hmm. his way into the lineup for sure. See, I think that they don't mind paying him twenty million to be a a bat off the bench, a start when needed. I think it's money. It's a sunken investment at this point. They yeah. just got to kind of grit and bear it. I, mm-hmm. I honestly don't think that they're going to mind sticking them on the bench on most days. I hope mm-hmm. not. It's not <laughs> like, oh, we're paying them this much. We got to get him in. If he's yeah. playing well, sure, but you can't force it. I, I, I wouldn't force it. And I'm just really so case, crossing my fingers for the DH right now, man. Terrible. Mm-hmm. Oh, it would make this roster so much deeper. By, by so much the way, deep. I think we're – I think we're not giving Mark Hanna enough credit for being kind of a really good baseball player. I'm not taking like anything that. away from him. I, I, like I, I love Mark Hanna. I wanted him a couple of years ago. I wrote back uh, in a piece of Mesmerized when, um, you know, when we were a less um, financial team. And I had him. <laughs> uh, I, w- I was a really big fan I of him, Robbie right. Grossman. I had a couple of guys mm-hmm. that, that I thought we would have success and, and help be good role players on a team. And uh, now he's here just a couple of years later. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, think he's, I think he's a really nice player. And just, you, you know, I love my players who can get on base and, and always have yeah. offensive value, even if they're in a, a bit of a funk actually getting base hits, which, I, you know, for, for fans who aren't so familiar with him, he has a Nimmo-esque approach in which his, his, mm-hmm. his batting average might not be much over 240, but he's going to walk uh, 15% of his plate appearance. Also, he's, there, not, so. he's not a big chaser. Just the same as no, him. yeah, yeah. Yep. Well, one of the best O swing percentages in baseball over the last like three years. Mm-hmm. It doesn't surprise me at all. So yeah, I, I I do wonder if if an analytically oriented team would toy with the idea of leading Nimmo off and then having Canna second or, or vice versa, and just having you know Lindor and Alonso get these Jesus plate appearances Christ. with yeah, oh, with, see, with no. guys on base all the time. I don't think it's going to happen. I do think Canna's going to be. Down in the lineup. I just, yeah. I like the idea of having those two one and two. 
And then imagine it with with Marte last year having a three eighty on base percentage to Brown. Oh, was he that? Oh my God, yeah. I don't know. Oh yeah, best best on base percentage, best walk rate of his career. But even Mm -hmm. going back, he's he's always been a somewhat patient hitter. I don't think he's struck out more than twenty percent of the time, more than once, maybe twice, and he's right there, just at like twenty percent. He's not. Yeah, he's a a selective guy. Last year was a career year for him, but we love those basketball skills. Sorry. We love those bats and ball skills. Oh, baby, we love that. Guys, we got to take a real quick break just to hear from the sponsors. Hang tight. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome back. As uh, as you were hearing, we're here with Steven Josiah, Ray Correa. We're having fun. And guys, I'm just going to jump right back into it. Right where we were. Um, we were talking about fourth outfielders. We're talking about kind of where the, the versatility fits in. Mm. Do you feel additional moves are needed for the positional roster? Or is it kind of just gravy at this point? Are you comfortable going in with this group? So... I'm not going to say entirely comfortable. I feel like they still have a couple of moves that they can make and that they probably will make. Sure. But if if you told me it's uh, February, spring training's coming, and this is the team that we have, offensively, n- n- let's not go into pitching just yet. Yeah. I wouldn't be um, terrified. I think it's a solid lineup. I think um, it, it's, a, it's a lineup with some depth, and they can – likely get it done with the pitching staff that they've they've put together. So, would I be terribly enthused? No. Would I be terrified? Also no. Yeah, I think I'm kind of right in the middle, but I'm I'm also with you that I'm expecting more moves now. Mm -hmm. Is there anywhere that you guys prioritize? I mean, I think relief pitching is still um, on the list. Third base, of course. (laughs) It's like, uh, who's on first routine? Third base. (laughs) Third base. Um, Oh, it's my favorite thing in the world, by the way. Uh, I mean, you know, yeah. Do you, do you think about adding a fifth starter? Are you guys comfortable with Tyler McGill or David Peterson kind of shoring up the back end? There's there's many places to go. I wrote about Ryan Tapera at the Apple. I'm in love with that guy. I think he's perfect for this roster. Um, a left-hander has to get added, but is actually better against lefties than than righties. So get him in here. I mean, you know, let's make this freaking roster bulletproof. That's that's my point of view. Um, mm-hmm. Where are the Damn holes? Up. What needs to be done? Mm-hmm. Please go ahead. I, I'm 100% with you. I love Tapera. I, I know he has barely pitched in 2019, but I think he's a, <laughs> a just perfect for this, this team. Uh, I do think bullpen needs to be addressed. I do think Festar needs to be addressed. Uh, I thought John Gray was a, a really nice sort of second career um, target 
And now that he's off the table, uh, Carlos Rodon is my my next guy in the queue. I understand mm-hmm. the risk with him, but I think he's the most talented pitcher out there right now. And I think he would just slot in wonderfully. It, it just depends on what your tolerance for risk is because that's uh, Jacob DeGrom at 30, oh, help me out here, five-ish. Uh, Scherzer at 37. Uh, so, so DeGrom at 35, Scherzer at 37, Carrasco at 34 and injured, and then Radon coming in with who knows what his shoulder is, is like. Um, yeah. He's never really thrown 200 innings, I don't think. So, so it is a fair. Yeah. Coming into next season. DeGrom? Well, yeah, okay. he turns 34 in the middle of the season, yeah. Gotcha. All right. So it's it's an older rotation, and it's one that is not the most healthy, especially if you add Radon. But you do have McGill. You do have Peterson there to, to fill in. And I think that the upside of that rotation is They got Lucchese back in the middle of the season from his yeah. Tommy John surgery. Yep. I like Lucchese. Yeah. So, yeah, right, right now, if, if we added Tapera, a lefty, and Radon, and, the, and then just rounded out the bench, I would be ecstatic. I have given up trying to figure out which relievers are going to pop year to year. I, I just I can't figure it out. I, I just so, – so just – Bring a couple guys in, and one of them is going to stick. So someone's going to be our Aaron Loop this year. And I'm borderline begging for Colin McHugh at this point. Okay. I've, I've seen a lot of that. And what terrific numbers, man. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I think our buddy Mike Mayer pointed him out this week, and I think you guys were having that conversation on Twitter. And mm-hmm. Boy, what a what an impressive – and he was, a, he was in that how long ago? Mm, too long ago. Hey, <laughs> he was here with Hefner. Like ago. He was here with Hefner. He was like he was pitching like at the same time. 2011, 2012 or so. Yeah. All right. Here, here's a here's a trivia for you. What round was he drafted in? McHugh. And what year? Yeah, because McHugh was a, a later round pick, and I'm going to look it up right now. While we well, while we guess. Well, McHugh was before the Alderson regime, so. So. Let's go 07, 18th round. Oh, oh my God, Tim! It's almost no way. It's almost like all right. So you're you're 08, but round 18. God damn it. Come on. You got the router. That's fucking crazy. That's amazing. Very good. Well done, sir. Credit to the Apple. Ah, Colin McHugh. Now, his his stuff just plays against everybody. I'm not all too familiar with it, with what he's done later in his career. But, you know, he has the – it's only, what, slider fastball? He mixes his changeup in? I'm not even sure. Does he have um, a I, I thought he was the guy who throws his, his curveball, like, okay. a disproportional amount of time. I, I might be wrong, though, Ray. Is it, is, am I thinking of the wrong guy? I don't I think you are, but the thing is, um, <laughs> again, Tampa ends up Frankensteining guys and <laughs> making them do all sorts of things. So and the like fact that. that he only spent one season there, you know, I haven't I haven't looked too far into how he changes pitches oh. last year or how. Um, so I just looked it up. He was the he throwing his curveball quarter of the time. Guess what the guess what the Rays just did with him? This is this is nuts to me. Uh, they pretty that? much scrapped his curveball, which had made his career at this point. <laughs> Uh, he now throws his cutter 33% of the time. Yeah, I've seen his slider 52%, almost 53% of the time as well. And, and his slider, yeah. So, so they, they upped his, uh, his slider percentage. And, um, yeah, pretty much. So they took his, his cutter, which he was only throwing about 10% of the time, and, and bumped that up, too. You know, <laughs> I, I wanted to make a quick note about something, too. You know how, how everybody was saying um, – the 2020 season was kind of a strange year for everybody, uh, especially in sports, but particularly in baseball because it throws it throws off people's um, preparation. It threw off like um, uh, you know, even even without just considering spring training and everything, you know, w- w- with all the gap and it just being a 60 game season, 
I feel like there's there's not just a barrier there, but there's a barrier from 2021 as well, because guys getting back into the groove of things, uh, they may not have gone the the way they expected. I mean, look at guys like Bellinger or Christian Yelich, the kind of seasons that they had last year. We really expect them to come into 2022 and have that same kind of like flat tire motion to them. Like I don't, I think the, these guys are gonna have strong comeback seasons, but. At the same time, there's going to be a bunch of other guys who, who knows who the other one is. Who knows who who's going to benefit from actually having, you know, the 162 game season, being able to prepare all the time and having their bodies readjusted to that point. And I think like maybe on on the Mets roster right now, someone like Taquan Walker is going to benefit from actually having that full season. And now coming into the next year, he's not going to, you know, maybe flutter off a little bit towards two thirds into the season. You know. But I'll Carrasco too. I know he didn't have exactly any any real ramp up, but I think he's gonna And he was even rushed to, to, to come back to the big yeah, club yeah. because because yeah. of necessity. He he said he rushed himself, but I'm sure there was a little pressure on both sides. Oh, well, yeah. I mean there was a there was a, a big necessity in the team yeah. at that point. Oh for Especially sure. Miss, missing the Grom and missing the guys that they, you know, Lucchese was out, Yamamoto was out, so even the backup options, I mean, you got he just had to do what he had to do when he came in, and he put a game face on, unfortunately, the results weren't what we wanted or expected, but again, I think with a full training camp, with, with a full spring training, with him getting everything down, him as well, I, I feel like these guys are going to show better results than what they did in 2021. Yeah, Do you yeah. see a, a Sapucky or anyone like that having a Tyler McGill-esque ascent to the rotation and, and similar success? Or do you think that the Mets are going to build redundancy so they don't have to tap into AAA? So it's funny that you mentioned redundancies because look at, look, at, look at who they protected for the Rule 5 draft. They, did, they picked out a couple of players, but they left out guys like Matoya. They left out guys like Jaden Palmer. They left out um, mm. Colin, what's his name? Ah, shoot. Uh, name is slipping my mind right now. Who, Aller? No, not Aller. Uh, I think Aller was actually placed on the 40-man, wasn't he? Oh, he was. Correct, correct. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to H. Slipping my mind at the moment. Either way, another reliever. But the thing is, some of these guys are already 25, 26 years old. And yeah. it's kind of the thing where they might see that as easily replaceable. And they might even rule five draft a couple of guys that are similar to them. Similar profile, same kind of pitch quality. And you see that they, what they did in the minor league portion of the Rule 5 draft, they took a couple of guys and missed a lot of bats. Not the best results, but they can work with it. So I, I think that they are looking towards these redundancies and trying to see uh, maxing out the quality on the 25 and four, or 26 and 40-man rosters and then worrying about everything else. You think Sipaki gets a shot as a reliever? Would you, would you tinker? Would you tinker with him? Because I know he's still oh, got promises sure. as a starter. For sure. I I, I remember Sabucky when he was drafted being a, mm-hmm. a spin darling. Back when spin yeah. was just starting to become a thing. Yep. I, I want to see what he's got. And, and the Mets do have success with these guys that are drafted. I think Sabucky was round five, something like that. But even we've had success with rounds eight, ten. 30, 34, uh, mm-hmm. as long as they show enough out of at least one pitch. And, and I think Sapucky has that. So, yeah, I would love to see what he's got. Well, Sapucky is one of those guys who, who I'm, I'm also thinking about when I mentioned the buffer and 2021 kind of being like a buffer season in a sense. Yeah. I mean, he, he was coming in from Tommy John surgery. He had the recovery, came back. 
and he had to work through whatever aches of not not having a team in 2020 and again i feel like it's one of those guys who's going to benefit from having last season and coming into this season i think he's going to show better results but again it's one of those things that only time is going to tell for sure how bodies are going to hold up if he's going to have the same strength and ability that he once did you know back when mm-hmm. guys like Keith Law were actually paying attention to Sapuki um, yep. Yep. he was a he was a top 100 guy for a while or like bordering top 100 for quite some time now the Mets had their top top 100 guys now they have a handful of them yeah, they they got yeah and and that you know this is it it signifies normally what signifies the future and there's a lot of excitement there in Beatty mm-hmm. and Alvarez of course and Beatty and Mauricio and yeah, Vientos, even the young arms. Um, but what, with, how do these guys fit into the future? Now that the Mets have really kind of put a an emphasis on bringing in ready to win talent. Do you know, is, is it Mauricio sticking around? Is he going to be moving around the diamond as opposed to not making the same mistake they did with Ahmed Rosario, not letting him move around in the minors and kind of mm. pigeonholing him into the shortstop position where clearly that's not going to be the place for uh, for Mauricio moving forward. I mean, do you right. see big trades? Do you see them kind of seeing this process out? I know it's a shot in the dark at this point, but, you know, you guys are my minors, guys. Where do we go from here? <laughs> well, can I shut something off right now? Because I keep seeing it pop up on Twitter. Ronnie Mauricio is not moving to second base. I keep seeing that yeah. time no, and time I, again. I put him in the outfield or third, personally. Yeah, it, same. Uh, Mauricio right now is 6'4". I know he's listed 6'3", but he's been growing. He's yeah. He might be closer to 6'5", or at least will be by the time he's done. I, I want to say the tallest second baseman ever was like 6'2". Something like, like It's it's like Chase Utley is about as tall as you see for a second baseman. Sorry to bring a bad name into such a wonderful podcast thing, but... Um, <laughs> It, you just don't see guys that size at second base. So if he moves to third, then you've got to contend with Brett Beatty and Mark Vientos, who are both third basemen. Uh, Brett Beatty succeeding maybe a little bit more defensively there than, than Vientos right now. But uh, And then the potential of uh, McNeil or Nascobar, maybe a Bryant being there, at least in the short term. So then the question is, do you see him in the outfield? I can see that, and I think it's it's good to get him reps there. I think the Mets have been getting him reps here on, on occasion, correct me if I'm wrong there. But ultimately, I, I, I do think Mauricio might be that guy that you move when Luis Castillo comes uh, truly on the block. And that that's a move that I would be so game for, a, a trade built around Luis Castillo for Ronnie Mauricio. What do you think? I think you can't predict what's going to happen, man. I think this is, <laughs> this is no, unpredictable. Our voice of reason. This is mm-hmm. an, as unpredictable um, a front office right now as we've ever seen with the Mets organization. We No one expected the, them to sign three guys overnight. Like, who, but, who but saw Ray, isn't, isn't there some assumption that Francisco Lindor, at 28 years old, making $300 million, is not going to move off a shortstop in the next oh, five, not. seven, eight, no, ten no, 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 no. even years? So, I, so I, the reason I say it's unpredictable is because I can see them moving both of Ronnie Mauricio and maybe a Mark Vientos or Brett Beatty, depending on what they do. Like, if they give, if they give um, Brian a six-year deal, well, mm-hmm. where, where, where does that leave third base? I mean, or maybe they don't even go with the signing. Maybe they try to trade for a guy. Maybe they go for a Mark Chapman. Maybe they try to go for um, 
Jose Ramirez. Jose Ramirez, thank you for Oh, come on. <laughs> what, what, what is that package going to look like? Oh, God, give him whatever my, my, I my love. <laughs> just, just, just back up the trucks. <laughs> it really, oh, no, take your pick of your top two. You know, take a, take a look at our top ten. Pick yeah. your top two. Alvarez, I, I'd rather not. I'd rather say he's untouchable. I think that's the, that's the one that, that I still hold is untouchable. And you know, guys, I, I know I get killed for it, but Ronnie is my guy. They, I know, I, and mm-hmm. Alvarez is a different class. He's a catcher. He's it's fair. otherworldly talent. But Ronnie, I think in the end, I think he has the best major league career just because of his sheer talent. You guys saw him in spring training well, last mm-hmm. year when he was the big club. I, I, I saw it like his second or third at bat. I said, oh, my God. This he is looks different. Thing. He's, he's real different, thing. yeah. <laughs> he's, yeah, I, I – um, I'm scared to trade him. I don't prospect hug a bunch, but Ronnie Mauricio is my guy, and uh, I would be crushed if they moved him. I'm I don't get it. I, I just don't don't see the space that's going to be available for him eventually. Oh, I think this he's a corner outfielder, personally. I think sure. he's Starling mm-hmm. Marte if they want to make him Starling Marte. I think he's that athletic. I think he could pull mm-hmm. it off. You think he could run in center? Yeah. Yeah. Apparently he moves well. Uh, Apparently his speed's a, a weapon. He does. Well, he's his quick. problem uh, has been his his throwing arm. From from my understanding, uh, of shortstop has been his accuracy. Mm-hmm. Hey, good thing you know. Maybe bring Tom Amansky in. He can start hitting the uh, the garbage pail from center field at home plate. <laughs> Fred McGriff approves. Teach him to eat your Best best outfield arm I've ever seen. Still is Rick Ankiel. Way off <laughs> well, topic, well, but um, it's okay. Tangents are our thing here. Well, I, so, so I, I love Vlad from the outfield. I mean, just just watching him Who, gun down. Yeah, Vlad, Vlad Sr. Oh, yeah. Oh, my Vlad gosh. Senior. What a joy. Um, but, my, but, father, r- my father, when he saw him throw, said, oh, my God, it's Bob Clemente. <laughs> oh, course, so I, I, I've I, never seen that. But mm-hmm, Same. I wish I'd seen Clemente yeah. play. Actually, I, I believe I've gotten Ray a uh, Clemente jersey as a yeah. birthday gift. So that's, mm-hmm. how, that's how, how big the Clemente name is, is oh. in this group. You gotta talk to Danny Torres, bro. Danny's got. Uh, by the way, check out Danny's podcast. It's it's a twenty one. Oh, I wish I had the. It's off the cuff. <laughs> Danny Torres on Twitter. It's linked in his Twitter. Um, yeah, please do. But oh, Roberto Clemente's a, a, a favorite of a lot of people. That's yeah. awesome. By the way, just to back up a second, how how oh, sad, or how old are we that we have to um, identify if we're talking about senior Last and junior, junior when junior? talking about <laughs> we're talking about Tatis or Tatis Junior. <laughs> and Ray, how many um, legacy players are there in this upcoming draft? Like five it, or six. It's crazy. Crawford's in it too, right? Yeah, there's a, a Carl Crawford, Crawfordson. Carl Crawfordson is in it. Bring him uh, in. Gar- Bring him in. Yo, Carl uh, Crawford in his prime was so good. He fell off yeah. fast, but oh my uh, god. Mark Mark right. McGuire's son. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, and I'm it, all about some legacy players, man. Uh, these guys are they're different now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you got the training, bro. I mean, you know, one you have the you have the you know the skill, I guess, built in, <laughs> mm-hmm. and and you and you have the access to to that level of training throughout your childhood. That makes a difference. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like starting a race. Like ten seconds ahead of everyone else, and then also you also you get to race with some Nas attached to your cars, like some Fast and Furious shit. <laughs> <laughs> Not everybody has that. Bobichet's probably Bobichette. my favorite young player. a nice player. Oh, and he's, nice player. and he's gonna fly under the radar because of Laddie. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I wish I had. So he did Kevin something that was unprecedented. That whole team. That whole team is a legacy team. Dude, if Kevin Biggio could stay healthy, that's a player. Oh, Toronto's I, an entire legacy team. <laughs> um, who's who else did I like there? 
who doesn't really get a fair shake, but had an outstanding season. In um, Toronto, Semyon. Yeah. Do you remember? Do you remember me telling you who my favorite uh, drafts? Or I'm sorry, uh, free agent signing was last offseason? Yeah, it was. It was. It was, it was how, how much money did you just get from from Texas? I think he oh, got a bunch. I'm glad he got paid. He's earned it. He's been, I, I, unless something changed late in the year, the second highest war in Major League Baseball mm-hmm. over like the past three seasons. Three points, like that. Yeah. I've said it here before. You guys know Trey Turner led the majors in F war last year. I do. I, I did not know that. He's I such didn't. a nice player. I, I don't understand the the Nationals trading him for that. I do the, for that there deal that they got. There it is. I like Josiah Gray. I think I think I what they got back was great. I like yeah. um and who's the um the uh, Kiebert Ruiz. Okay, I like Jos- who, I like Josiah Gray. Who baseball Baseball America has one spot ahead of Francisco Alvarez on their top one hundred list. Really? Yeah. Where's Alvarez? He's, he's got to be top ten, right? I think he's in he's fourteenth, and I think Kiebert is thirteen. He might it might be twelve and thirteen, but they're who's up top? Adley Adley's yeah. one two right. Fuck it. I'm just gonna look. <laughs> I don't have it. See, this is what I'm talking about. I could have. I, I, th- I, I think Adley. I think Adley's number one. Yeah, he's a fun. Yeah, Adley, bro. Yeah, Adley, bro. That is, power is something else. I think Bobby Witt is is absolutely absolutely. Oh, he might. He might be number one. You're right. But yeah, they're. they're no, Bobby was number three. Is he? What's number? Yeah, three, Bobby okay. was number. Wait Bobby. a second. So is what is Julio Rodriguez up there? Um, hold on. <laughs> I don't have the list over. I'm just going by memory with that. That's okay. That's okay. Yeah, let's, let's pull it up. But uh, I, I also, you know, just it, Tim, considering who you're talking to here right now, it would be amiss if we didn't bring up a little bit of draft stuff. Uh, and by the way, just, just uh, yeah, you're right. Adley is number one. Julio Rodriguez, good call, is number two. And then Bobby Wood is just three. And Spencer Torkelson is, is four. four. And I actually, yeah. I, I didn't realize he was doing that well because I know there's some, there was some, you know, uh, debate over, oh, yeah, over drafting a, Future first baseman number one overall, so that's it seems like that's been working out. Uh, this is MLB.com's list, by the way. Uh, Francisco Alvarez is ten, which you can still see on MLB.com, by the way, unlike some other things. So they have uh, Alvarez ten. You got my BA account. Don't even start. <laughs> <laughs> Ray has generously shared that with me over the past couple of years. Joey Bart doing well at sixteen. Very nice. Oh, it's it's 13, 13 and fourteen on BA. Yeah. I am um I am hoarding Joey Bart rookie and Bowman. Oh nice. Yeah, yeah, he's my new guy. But there's a there's a guy in this draft coming up who's a, a, a who is going to be Spencer Torkelson esque as far as his um his outlook, and I, I just don't think it's going to go as high though. And that's that's um, um Jacob Berry, right? Okay. I, I know we we talked about him. Okay. Yeah. Past, oh, this he, is in the upcoming draft. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, which, by the goodness. way, I know I know that we've. Mets fans don't follow the well, just baseball fans in general don't follow the draft as much. But I think Mets fans should follow this one more than they usually do because the Mets have two picks. I think everyone heard that Kamar Rocker did not sign with the Mets, which is unfortunate. <laughs> but there were some bad medicals there. I won't go into the the details and the drama of it. But the Mets were not able to get a deal. So the way that this is structured right now is that the Mets get the the selection after. So they had the number ten pick this past summer. They didn't sign Rocker, so they get the number eleven pick in next year's draft. They also have the number 14 pick, which is their normal pick for finishing kind of middle of the pack in mm-hmm. Major League Baseball. This draft, every indication so far is that it's deeper and stronger than last year. So number 11 and number 14, with the bonus slots that they have and the manipulation that you can do there, is that's going to be fun. So pay attention. Jacob Berry's definitely a guy that if he's around there and, and he hasn't fallen off the table in the spring, he, he'd be a really interesting guy to look at. Huh. 
and you guys are pretty tied in there. And the Mets have what? After Conforto signs, they'll have five picks in the top hundred. Yeah, because Conforto's probably going to be well. He's a round B pick, right? So after round two. Oh, so. That sounds sure. right. Yeah. So, so back in the day, you used to get the first rounder of whatever team signed them, no right? Unless they're in the top ten, so you could get like you know the number seventeen pick for for yeah. Conforto signings. But, yeah. But but that's yeah. I think you're right. I think this is uh, after round two. Uh, in between still, two and three, right? That you yeah. comp B. Yep. Well, there's a there's a there's comp round round one now. Well, they called it round A, and then yeah. after round two is round B. So, but I think both are going to fall into round B because of. Um, how much the Mets have spent over the last couple of years, I think, is the differential there. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm not as well-versed in, in that end of things. Jacob Jacob Resnick carried me on this show with the minor <laughs> yeah. stuff for years. But, and I tried, but yeah, not my... Uh, but let's just say, but before round three, or let's say including the Mets round three selection, yeah, you, you're going to have the, the Rocker compensation pick, mm-hmm. the Cindergaard, and the Conforto, most the likely, board. compensation picks. Uh, as well as your normal first rounder, second rounder, and third rounder. So that's that's it, it's a lot of talent that they're going to get. And I think uh, so. Epler is a, I, and and I don't want to say a draft is all about the GM, but but Epler, I think that was definitely a a, a nice a weakness. Yeah, I, I don't think it was a strong suit for Epler's tenure, at least with the Angels, but. When he was accepting the job, I'm sure hearing that, hey, you can pretty much rebuild an entire system and eventually major league team through this one draft, that had to be a pretty nice uh, incentive yeah. to come take this job. Well, I think they, you know, they kind of got burned on Brandon Marsh. Um, he still might be a fine player. Mm-hmm. They moved Will Wilson, which I'm still really shocked by, but it might actually work out well for him. I, I like Joe Adele. I like uh, uh, Joe Adele's Um Knowles, Kashawn Knowles. Mm-hmm. Is it is it Kishon or did, I'm sorry if I messed it up, but um, big big Sean, big fan, big really big fan of Adele. But yeah, I think that um I think that Epler's or his team's drafts there might come to fruition. I think Eric Rivera is a two way player who's still making his way up in in um in L A. Mm-hmm. Also, to think. So, so much of drafts are not necessarily on the GM as your scouting director and your scouting oh, yeah. team, and, and, and the Met, the the Mets have. Uh, Tommy Tanis and uh, Mark Tremuto, who are both, I mean, they're, they're some of the game's best. I think Tommy Tanis was, was um, at least kind of in, in whispers for the GM position yeah. uh, with the Mets. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's how well he's, he's thought of. So I, I trust those guys to, to do this right, even though the, the, the GM, the helm, is a little bit different. I just hope they, they listen a little more, man, because um, I, I know how you – I know you know how I felt about like them picking the Angels picking guys like Sam Bachman, Reed Detmers. Yeah, I don't like Bachman. Well, I like you don't Bachman. like Detmers. I drafted him. I'm I'm fine with Detmers. It's just I feel like Detmers is the kind of guy that needs the right organization for him to have success. And without mm-hmm. that kind of building, I I just don't have that degree of confidence after yeah. seeing time and time again the Angels draft a pitcher uh, high up and then them not come through for them the mm-hmm. way that that it was expected. Although, but then. Maddening is then a guy like Dylan Bundy having a successful season <laughs> with them. So who knows? He's still unsigned. But Bundy didn't didn't sign anywhere, right? I I, I don't know think I so. No, I think he's still out there. I was intrigued by it. Now I gotta check. So so here's a uh, oh it, it's it says he's with the Twins. So maybe he got signed by the Twins. Uh-huh. Maybe he did. Yeah, I thought maybe he did. Uh, um, but here's here's a blast from the past. Uh, yeah, in in their draft season, 
Kevin Gaussman, Dylan Bundy, and Michael Fulmer were all high schoolers out of Oklahoma in the same mm. draft. Now, Gaussman and Bundy went, you know, I don't know, pick three and pick six, something like that. And Fulmer fell all the way down to the supplemental. And for a while there, for a while, it looked like Fulmer was going to be the best out of the three until Gaussman had his uh, second second half career resurgence. But that was it's such an interesting battle for those three over the course of the first 10 or so professional years. What a weird way that Fulmer's career has gone over the last couple of years. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jeez, oh, yeah. he's, he's a pretty solid reliever now. He's still yeah. in Detroit, right? Yes, he is. Yeah. Yeah. Detroit, you guys like Matthew Boyd? I know, he, I know oh, he comes for, back. Uh, he comes back a little late in the year, right? Because he's hurt. Mm-hmm. Do you mean for the Mets? Uh, to, yeah, to uh, just in general. You think he's still yeah. um, uh, contender material back end? Uh, back end, back back end. Sure, I wouldn't rely on him. On, on, <laughs> 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 Wait, who'd you guys mention? Matthew, Matthew Boyd. Boyd. I mean, that, 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 that first half of what season was it, 2019 or so, where I was just like, this guy's a, a Cy Young contender, and then just, just took uh, a nose yeah, nosedive. second half this year, I believe. Mm. Uh, maybe not a second half. We're, I don't know. I got to find it. But, uh, he, yeah, he was putting up impressive numbers for a while. I know some fans are kind of enamored with him, and I think that's a nice reclamation project if they want to mm-hmm. go that way. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when you got Max and Jake leading up the front end, right. it relieves so much pressure off the Carrascos and Walkers. And even if you want to go flip-flopping with, with McGill and Peterson or another veteran, if they want to bring that in, like, you know, you very excited. We, we do still have Trevor Williams for another year. Yeah, thank you. I, I, I knew that we had someone in the mix there. But um, I like him as the long man. I think he could really take over Gazelman's job Oh yeah, uh, pretty well. Uh, spot starter, give us two innings if you need to. Uh, do you guys think Lugo is going to be Lugo again? I do. Yeah. I, I'm Seth Lugo's um, biggest fan. Tim, you know this. Of course, I'm going to say yes. Uh, <laughs> Tim's more, I'm sorry, Ray's more rational than I am, so Tim, you should ask him. <laughs> I'm always going to be on Team Lugo. Yeah, but the curve is still there, so uh, he's going to build that right back up. As long as he's got that out. If he has that out, pitch, it's going to mm-hmm. be there. Make him, just, just make him throw that curb like 80% of the time. Fuck it. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm for it. That's what Double the, the switch doesn't work. Only when Lugo comes <laughs> in. Hey, I'm also on Team Castro breakout. I, I He was my call oh. last year as like a true breakout. I'm gonna, I am gonna. I hate to do it again. One of I the best sliders in baseball, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think that there's there's something there, especially with the, the robust or now robust analytics team that the Mets have, they're going to uncover something. I just, I, I refuse to believe that sort of arm strength with that slider, like you said, Tim, is is not going to be able to put a sub-two ERA season out there. And I, I, hey, if, Since we're in that in-between, and you just mentioned analytics, and we're still talking about minor leagues, hey, how about the Mets revamping their analytics department mm-hmm. to include stronger analysis of their player development down to the minor have- leagues? That's going to make, you know, ripple tide effects. Like, that's going to mm-hmm. be uh, huge. That's going to be, like, all right, so the type of steps that Cincinnati's taking with their young pitching in, in, through the minors with uh, uh, drive, who's driveline? Um, Kyle Body. Kyle Body, thank you. Nice, uh, <laughs> to, who was it? TJ Antone, I believe he was a product of that process and uh, very, very impressive. I know he hasn't gotten a lot of, uh, a lot of hype, but, you know, they that type of development where you got just under the radar gems coming out one after the other. That's, that's exciting. And I'm, I'm hoping that that's kind of what they're, what they have in play here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, they hired a couple of guys to, well, they hired Dave Schoenfield that was from the Royals 
to um, be the coordinator of minor league analytics. So to have a guy dedicated to that process is definitely more of a sign of what they're trying to do moving forward. Yeah. That's good. I'm I'm here for it, and I'm just excited to see what's going to happen next year. Because there were a couple of guys who were kind of disappointing in the seasons that they had. There were a couple of people that were somewhat surprises. But, again, let's see if 2021 was just a buffer and what these guys can bring out of them. I mean, I'm I'm looking specifically at guys like Robert Dominguez, maybe Otanes. Because mm-hmm. Otanes' fastball is still nasty. He didn't have the results that he wanted last year. He, you know, he was kind of loose on the control, but... Well, let's see what's going to happen once once they start pushing, um, you know, not not just um, repeatable motion and deliveries and everything, but also uh, pitch break and being able to, like, I guess, emphasize so roughly every single bit of what they're doing with their hand positioning on the pitches and mm-hmm. how it's bringing on, like, vertical break, horizontal break, and all these other things that they're we get to see and look and talk about now. Remember, Stephen, we had a conversation a while a while back where it's like, man, if we had that kind of data for minor league players, like the the, the way that these front offices do, and I feel like it's about to happen within the next year or two where we're going to have... My prediction for, for, for what the next thing is on broadcast is right next to the miles per hour, we're going to have data on RPMs next to every pitch. Mm-hmm. Which, which I, I think as a fan, that that would be pretty exciting for me. I mean, because I, I, I always think back to World Series Harvey, and if we could have seen the RPMs go down by the time he was in the eighth inning, maybe everybody else would have been like, "Nah, fucking pull him." Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I yeah. um, even just you know, I think fans would be excited by seeing you know sixty one average uh, sixty one inches of of break on a curveball like. <laughs> You know, I think that would blow people away. I think that would be a great way to introduce new fans to the game. And, you know, I think golf started introducing their mm-hmm. analytical data into the broadcasts, and I like it. You know, I see it a little bit more and more, and I'm not like a giant golf cat, golf fan. I follow it, but, yeah, that, that stuff is cool to me. And yeah, I think that would bring in the casual fan and get them a little wrapped up and saying, oh, hey, cool, like, what is this? This isn't RBIs, man. Mm-hmm. But what about the old school fans, Tim? Is there a TWTW metric that we could put up there? Like, how much does this player want to win? What is, what is the eye test? It, it, it'll be like the opposite of like the Statcast broadcast. It'll be like the Kevin Curtin <laughs> broadcast. It'll just be Curtin just blowing off steam. Just it put put Tom Glavin in there too, and you're all set. Not just John Smoltz is talking to himself. Or, or Smoltz, yeah. <laughs> just, just yeah, with that fucking hat. Excuse my language. Oh God. They, they need to have. He's a train broad. conductor in that thing. I love it. <laughs> I got my own, and I got it. I'm like, oh God, this is this is John Smoltz, man. It's my John Smoltz go. hat. I right. swear to God, I mean. Smoltz might as well be working at the DMV the way he sounds at his job. You know what I mean? <laughs> he just fucking hates every moment that he's, that he's broadcasting. Yeah, hell of a picture. Hell of a picture, boy. I'm forced to watch now. He's like, come on, Smoltz, you're missing a great game, buddy. I mean, yeah. he really is the back-in-my-day meme personified. And it's just, he. I don't think he realizes that he's 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 become that parody of the... He's a caricature. A caricature, yeah. So Well, you know... Uncle Bill said it at our little family thing yesterday. Um, uh, sorry, this is my Uncle Bill, of course. He's like, oh, you know, today's game is 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 just so uh, it's it's not fun. You need to bring back small ball. And I, you know, he had me in the first half. I'm like, oh god, here we go. But the point about small ball, I think that 
you know, errors kind of come in waves. And I wouldn't be shocked to see with the data, the benefit of certain small ball era ish approaches kind of be re-implemented into the game. So shout out to Uncle Bill for getting me thinking yesterday. Sorry. No, I was kind of confused this whole time when people were talking about small ball. I, I thought people just wanted uh, players to start doing steroids again. Uh, I heard small <laughs> balls. No. Oh. No. Oh. All right. All right. That's okay. <laughs> you had one at the beginning of the show. I get one too, man. Come on. <laughs> Always. Of course. Yes. Tim, you gotta you gotta find a way to, to actually put this video on because so for all the listeners, we actually have a video chat going so we can see each other. I just I just literally face palmed on that one, Ray. So well done there. <laughs> actually saw the back of your eyes. Oh, <laughs> uh, see, guys, this is fun. This is like our little holiday party. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, so, so the one kind of quote-unquote old-school thing that I would love to see come back, just because it's such an exciting play in baseball, is the stolen base. And I know the stolen base hasn't yep. died. There are still some great base dealers Look out there. But, I mean, yeah. I mean do, you, do you think that we're ever going to see 100 stolen base season again? Mm. Not anytime I would, soon. I would no. love to see that. And I, and I would love to see someone like Carl Crawford's son you know, just burst <laughs> with 80-grade speed, burst into the league. And and be able to steal hundred bases to have the skills to get on base that often and and steal it. What's Ray? Is it about seventy five percent, eighty percent that it becomes eighty percent optimizer? So that's the problem, right? Is that it's it, data has told us if you're stealing at sixty percent, just don't go. You know, you're you're hurting your team. So to find somebody who has the speed as well as the skills stealing bases and can get on base enough to actually steal hundred bases, that would be cool to me to be able to have like an old school player who's you know he might only hit five home runs but steal 100 bases and create that many runs on the base that'd be fun to see again and i think well, that could happen cj abrams has 80 good. speed man he has 80 run that's a nice oh. one yeah Dude, i think guys nice could i think albies could do it i think acuna if he comes back if that same speed could do it i think i think bichette could possibly do it he's a speed but, demon as well like you know problem, this is the type of but you know it's what they what they, they're being they, asked to do they don't want them to get hurt. That's the problem. Yeah. Acuna, but people don't realize Acuna, when he came up, he had good power. And I think a lot of people were dreaming that he could be a 40 homer player. But he was a speed guy. He was a guy you were looking at as like maybe 20 homers, but 50 steals. Yeah, yeah. And, give and, me 20 that, triples before you give me 20 homers right, type of guy. Right. But he could do both. And, and then uh, it's, a, it's a strange connection here. But Dan Ugla, if you remember, he was the... That's right. uh, that hitting oh, coach, too. And I actually credit a lot of Acuna's power development to Dan Ugla. And what a, what a great hire that was. He was a um, minor league hitting coach in Atlanta? I, bel- I believe so. And that's, I didn't that's know when that. Acuna's um, he was power a, he starts. Was a a, yeah. Fantastic hitter. Yeah. And that's oh, terrific. At least he's not a fielding coach. <laughs> <laughs> but but I recall, you know, t- talking with people about Acuna. He was too muscly to play the infield. I always said that. Yeah, he had too many muscles to play the infield. He <laughs> yeah. couldn't move around. Yeah, it's like yeah. if you would have put, like, Tyler O'Neill from the Cardinals over at second base. Uh, right what a fun. Have you seen that dude? Yeah. He's yeah. fucking jacked. You see, his dad is actually a bodybuilder. <laughs> yeah, bro, like Mr. Canada or something. Yeah. Isn't, uh, isn't Stroman's dad a, a former bodybuilding champ, too? Uh, I know he was a former police officer, but I think bodybuilding is a big hobby. I met, Mr. Stroman. I met Mr. Stroman at the, um, oh, have? At the clinic. Um, absolutely terrific like, guy. Big Earl. Always see that clip of Stroman on, on Nickelodeon, his father next to him. <laughs> like, <laughs> taking up two seats from shoulder to shoulder. Uh, a big uh, imposing figure. Big yeah. Man. 
Very, very, yeah. And now uh, who's that? Uh, yeah, you can tell he enjoys his fitness. Uh, Yandy Sorry? Diaz, too, isn't that the, the guy from Tampa Bay? Oh, Yandy Diaz. Uh, Yandy Diaz, yeah. yeah. Massive effect, man. But with a, with a launch angle that would make Wilson Ramos look like a fly ball hitter. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's, that's the thing about, about a guy like him is just like, man, the amount of strength. I, I saw a picture of him with his weight trainer, and he's like twice the size of that guy. He's <laughs> like, come on, man. Just, you're in Tampa, yeah. the best place to learn how to do this. How come you're not doing it? <laughs> Yandy's still in... Tampa Bay, or he moved on? I don't know. I actually have no idea. I think he's still, I want to say he's still active. I'm not sure if he's Let's still Let's find active. out. He is still with the Rays, yeah. Nice. Uh, it's um, the shortstop that they moved over to Milwaukee midseason last year. Uh, Adamas? Willie Adamas. Adamas. I, I like Adamas. Very nice run. Yeah. You should. He, he had a Joey Wendell. Bounce Joey right. Wendell moved on, or he resigned. I forgot. I know he was in the news earlier. Hmm. Just like Joey Wendell's with the Marlins. Got traded, right. They traded him for two uh, for Kyle Nicholas and somebody else. Speaking of the Marlins, uh, now we have the report that before the lockdown, the, the Marlins had conversations with Conforto. Good. Good. You I know, hope he goes there and he, and he leads that young team. No, I think they were just talking about politics or something, man. I don't think in a Conforto, bro. It just said discussions. It didn't say anything about baseball or signing. It just said they had discussions. Yeah, how was your Thanksgiving, Mikey? Oh, that's good. <laughs> what do you guys want for breakfast? Yeah, you know, bagels? Nah, it's too oatmeal. You in town? No. Oh. <laughs> so, John, so we're gonna are we gonna have baseball played this season? And if yes. so, how many games? Uh full season, full slate. I, I, I say that things are on track by the start of scheduled spring training. Mm. Mm. I, I like your optimism, Ray. Oh, uh, what else would it? you expect? I'm gonna cut. I'm gonna I'm gonna cut a couple out because I feel like. Something that might happen in the negotiations is that they might shorten the season for an expanded playoff. Oh, I don't like that. I know, they're, but it's something that... They're making maybe even 144 or whatever? About. 144 no, would be too short. If they did something like like maybe take off 10 games and made a 152-game season, I wouldn't be too against it. But Because at the same time, you got to preserve the arms. The pitchers are the things that you're risking the most by extending the season. Like yeah. if, they if they would go expanded playoffs and still... Do 162 games. That's that's a little bit more traction on the arms. That it, it, it makes me a little worried. But I yeah. feel like something's gonna happen, and sometime soon. I, every other sport is moving so quickly, and baseball's always been the one to kind of drag their heels. Now, how long did it take for us to get replay? <laughs> how how long how long had had the NFL had replay? I think I think soccer got replay before we got replay. Dude, I mean, tennis. Tennis has the ability to do ins and outs. You know, they were, they've been doing this for yeah. 20 years. Baseball refuses to bring the foul lines into play in that fashion. It's ridiculous. Like, they've always been behind. But in the same respect, I think they have too much to lose by letting things drag out. Things got ugly at the COVID negotiations last year, mm -hmm. um, two years ago. Um, it, this has been kind of in the works for a while. <sighs> I see it as contentious, but I see it as everyone kind of making concessions to get it, get it together because uh, too much to lose at this point. If you start losing games, you know, fan interest is already at a record low. Not a record low, but it's pretty freaking low, and your average age is like 60. If you're pissing off your old fans by, you know, missing out on games, uh, you're literally alienating, alienating your, your base well, or however you want to put it. You know, me and Steve were talking about this earlier before we got on the call, but, you know, Baseball shoots itself in the foot uh -oh. so often. 
they they really do. We were just talking about how. Oh, they are. You guys froze on me. Sorry. Oh. Um, but yeah, baseball shoots itself in the foot more often than not. Like what they do with MLB TV, yeah. like you, Stephen was mentioning before the show, you know, they don't have a reason to improve it because it's all them. It's who, who is like Con Ed in New York. What the fuck are you going to do about it? Right. <laughs> right. It's, it's a de facto monopoly. And, uh, yeah. Oh, and now they're going to bring the antitrust thing into into play yeah. soon, right? Yeah. We just spoke about that, too. The minor leagues are getting involved in the antitrust lawsuit. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it, it, and, and I, I hope they win, you know, because if, if there was another league out there that minor league players or major league players could go join and, and there was some com- competitiveness, some competition there, then um, mm-hmm. I think you would see a better product overall. You'd see better living conditions for minor leaguers, better pay for major leaguers. I know people like to say like, oh, hey, why, why does a, a, a group of people who are making millions or tens of million dollars a year need more pay? Well, it's it's all relative to their, their owners who are billionaires, right? So it's like, that. you know, I'm always going to side on the workers on this side of things. But mm-hmm. it, I think the reality is that MLB does have a de facto monopoly and that extends to minor league baseball and their media. And I think competition or at least something to, some sort of antitrust laws will help um, ameliorate some of the problems that we're seeing in the game mm-hmm. and certainly from the player standpoint and certainly from the young underpaid <laughs> players stand uh, side of things yeah i'd love to see the independent leagues get an actual mm-hmm. league wide a nationwide independent league to actually you know act as a i don't want to say a developmental league for the mm-hmm. actual affiliated minors but you know I think we've seen independent leagues compete in certain regions with minor league baseball here on Long Island. The Long Island Ducks do great. Yeah. And, you know, was it Roger Clements in Long Island Duck at one point? Very briefly, he went to uh, the Sugarland Skeeters. Or did oh, I get okay. that right? Nice. <laughs> uh, he went there, but uh, the Mets. I mean, the, the Ducks have had Carl Everett. They've had uh, T.J. Rivera. Uh, T.J. Oh, Rivera. This goes Very on. Nice. Bill Bill Balsifer was here for a while. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, and, and cool. great little stadium. And that, that stuff can work, man. It could be a draw, especially if you have major leaguers that aren't in the show anymore, recognizable names trying to get back in, or even mm-hmm. just there to, to draw mm-hmm. fans in. You know, you have a possibility. It, kind of, it, it definitely would benefit the league itself because uh, instead of having guys have to go to like the Mexican League, which actually has something in the summer, or like having to go far east to either Korea or Japan. You know, if you had something that was competitive here, mm-hmm. yeah. although at the same time, why wouldn't and, you take the pay of a place like the Nippon League or the KBO? No. Oh, and and to that point, oh. not to talk about sour grapes again here, but Kumar Rocker's not going to play baseball this season. I don't, I don't think that's fair. I, and if you, if you had an outlet like an independent league for him to go show his stuff, I think that'd be great. I'm sure he's going to find his way into showcases. He's, he's going to get game action somehow. But I, I like that idea. And, and I, I like having a bigger draft. And let's say you have you reinstitute the 40 round draft and the, those guys in the back end who don't sign or they don't get the, whatever they're looking for, they could go play ball for a year. And, yeah. and Unless they bring the back draft. those, those, uh, those minor league teams that were cut last year. Right. That's, I, I, mm-hmm. I can't see a single way that they're ever going to bring back. It, it, 40, and it's not, draft. it's not, you're right. It's not, not what the well, state of minor league. Who, 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 who are they? 25, 20 rounds, 25 it was rounds. 20, it was 20 last year. I think they're going to do 20 again this year, but I haven't, Heard for sure, right? Have you heard of it's going to be twenty again? Uh, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure myself. No. It was twenty this last year, though, and that was like mm-hmm. that. You know, not to go too off topic here, Tim, but um, oh, it's one, right. We're 
one point of contention a lot of a lot of fans have is like, why did the Mets not draft a a fail safe for Rocker not signing? Why didn't they draft a, a backup? And 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 my I I really have less rounds to play with. Right, you know, they had five rounds in 2020 and 20 and 20 rounds in 2021. So 25 rounds over two years to fill a minor league system and to take your shots in the Mets. Do you have a lot of success with those mid late round picks? I think I would rather them draft the way they want to draft instead of try to take someone like Bubba Chandler and not sign him because you're not going to sign him. But that's I, I know I'm I'm in a minority there. It's just I I think with the smaller draft, it really hamstrung the Mets once once they missed out on Rocker. You know, if, if they had missed out on Matt Allen, they didn't draft anybody over slot until like Jake Mangum in the thirty-fourth round, who did <laughs> sign, went back to Mississippi State and the Mets drafted him as a senior, right? So like they yeah. had no fail safe if Matt Allen didn't sign. No one talks about no one criticizes the Mets because they signed Matt Allen. Had they not, it would have been the same thing that we're dealing with with Rocker here. Yeah, man, that was a massive risk as well. So it was. I think that was a bigger risk because Brett Beatty was. I mean, Brett Beatty has developed wonderfully, but he was not yeah. the. He was not ranked around where the Mets picked him. And he he was wasn't my good, first. He definitely wasn't my first oh, choice goodness, no. going into that draft. Yeah, at Jackson, the same time, Jackson Rutledge was, if I recall correctly, right? That, right? that yeah. is correct. Jackson oh, yes. Rutledge was my guy. Him so, and uh, who else is in Washington? Nick oh no, I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about that draft. Oh no, Nick Lodolo was a was a real nice pick though. I liked that a lot. But it's, he went he went before we picked, didn't he? He was like he went two to Cincinnati, three, so he I think it was, yeah, uh, he was high. two picks after. I think he went fourteenth. Oh uh, really? I thought Cor- he was I Corbin, thought he was within top ten. Uh, Corbin Carroll, right? That was the other guy you, you like. Corbin Carroll. Yeah. He, uh, he's healthy again. I think he's and, he's and, coming into yeah. spring healthy. No, mm-hmm. you're right. He, he Cincinnati actually had the seventh pick that year. So there we go. Okay, seventh. Yeah. Okay. Yep. 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 Hey Ray, do you have a um, do you have any targets for the Mets or Tim? Do you have any targets for the Mets this year? I, it, it's just it's December. I would love to. Yeah, I'm. It, it's, oh no, no, no! You got your draft guys it's on. Way the, too, on it's the way too. It's way too. Early. Honestly, I, I don't. I, I I admittedly don't know anything um, on the amateur side. I am just not familiar. I have a tough enough time grasping the new minor league players as they come in. Yeah, I am not the guy to ask for uh, for high school or college players. So. I think it's way too early to say right now. That's why it's fun, Ray. <laughs> I know it's fun, but the thing is, because you, you got to think about some of the arms that, well, mm-hmm. let me just give you one example, like Landon Sims. Is he going to be a starter this year? So, like, what's going to be the, the effective like difference between him being that shutout reliever mm-hmm. who, who struck out 100 batters in like, almost half as many innings? And what's he going to be like as a starter? You know, so so, so Mississippi State is moving into the rotation. Uh, I, t- I I don't know how he's going to handle that that workload, but the, the, he is going to be their Friday night starter. But then, like again, there's a lot of guys like that in this draft, and guys who are some of the higher ranked prospects in mm-hmm. in this draft. Maderos, you know, Maderos from Oklahoma State. He's, mm-hmm. he's another another situation, just like Sims, where it's like the conversation could be so much different between. You know, now and and June, and the thing is, again, since we have eleven and fourteen, you know, if they have a blowout season, why would you not take someone like that at fourteen, right? Yeah, I just, did, did you have to bring up the guys that that, that crushed the Longhorns, Ray? Though, just like the two guys <laughs> you brought up, are just like <laughs> I did it to spite you. So, are you guys are you guys going to come back closer to draft time and like fill us in on all these things? Because of course. I, 
Oh, oh man, I wish I had an idea. Just and I'll write this down, Tim, just because I love looking back on this because, the, like, like Ray said, this stuff changes so much. I mean, there's there. <laughs> I guarantee you, there's someone in the top five right now who's who's not even going to be a first rounder. That happens every year. They look really good, and they they either get hurt or they just have a horrible spring. They realize like, oh, this guy can't hit breaking pitches, or he he doesn't have a second you know secondary pitch. Uh, Brock Jones sounds. I think I think one mock just had him to the Mets. He's a, an outfielder from Stanford, real toolsy guy. Seems very much like a Mets pick. That's one mm. I, I'm I'm going to put on the board right now. Uh, I like Noah Schultz a lot because he reminds me of a, a young Randy Johnson. He's six foot nine. He throws from a, a low three quarters from the left side uh, mm. with 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 some heat. So I, I'll just throw those two names out right now I, and and just see where we're at in a few months. Mm. Nice. What about Reggie Crawford? You think that that's going to be oh, a possibility like, yeah. for the Mets I, early I think, on? I think Reggie Crawford is a is a great, but he's he's a Tommy John guy, isn't he? Though, did he have Tommy John? I think so. I think so. Mm-hmm. So he he might we we might be looking. But he's at also him around he's two, also a two way player though. So yeah, but I, I'm pretty sure they're he, they're gonna be teams are looking at more more as a pitcher. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. He has power. <laughs> All right, guys. I think we have uh, extended used up our time for today. I, Andrew has to. Uh, has to edit this. So thank you for your patience, Andrew. And thank you, Andrew. Uh, guys, and thank I'm you sorry. so much. Thank you so much for joining us. This is um, always a blast, but this was really a lot of fun. Tim, I think we should do a draft only uh, January edition for the three fans who would actually want to hear that. <laughs> no, apparently the draft is big stuff, man. Uh, that's And again, that's where MLB kind of misses out. Look how... How exciting NBA and NFL drafts are. Like, they could do this. They could really – I know it's a really big pool, but if they dedicated, you know, the offseason – Even the first two rounds, you know, just hype that up. Just, you know, dedicate a series through the offseason on MLB Network to going through all of these draft prospects. And, and, you know, maybe fans will get into it. Who knows? You know what the funny thing is that they can do it because – if you watch MLB.com with their with their process, they always have like an audio recording with video yeah. of the player mm-hmm. set up. That you can put that on a television show. You got MLB yeah. Network. What the yeah. fuck are you guys doing? State media. Come on, guys. Oh, At least know what you have in your hands. All right, Stephen Josiah, Ray. Correa, Thanks for having guys. us again, man. Oh, come yeah, on. This it's always a pleasure. And yes, the draft, uh, the all draft episode is certainly it's it's on the calendar. It's already on awesome. the wall. Writing it down, um, guys. Of course, I'm going to drop everyone's social media links and stuff in the uh, in the pod description. Please give everybody a follow, and uh, yeah, everyone have a very merry Christmas. If you if you if you're celebrating, we'll be back after the holidays. Uh, Christmas, happy Stephen, holidays to Ray, you. Happy holidays to you and yours. Yeah, you you all enjoy. It. Thanks for having us on again, Tim. Oh, again, my pleasure, guys, and uh, we'll do it again real soon. Everybody, you guys know the sign-off. Let's fucking go Mets and jingle bells <laughs> at the end of that, and we'll see you next time, all right?